Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Basically, uh, the next two weeks, so today and next week, I'm talking about roughly the same text. The God, uh, our lectionary backs it up. And uh, we're going to be talking about the meaning of the word today when Jesus preached. And then uh, we're going to be looking a little bit next week at the response of the word uh, when it's preached and it hits our heart. Um, but we are in the season of epiphany. And uh, the season of epiphany is a season of revealing. And today Jesus reveals his identity in a synagogue in Nazareth. In what is hands down with only one point... Uh, the shortest sermon ever recorded. Today's scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Unfortunately for all of you, I still have three points. So anyway, we're going to go at it. It's a real long one. But anyway, um, but uh, uh, Jesus, picture this. It's the Sabbath, and Jesus is this kind of rising rabbi. And he's returned to his hometown, and everywhere he goes, he's preaching the kingdom, miracles are taking place, and now he's got a following. And the local minion or synagogue board has invited the hometown boy to come back and preach. Now picture this synagogue jam-packed. Everyone wants to hear what old Jesus has to say. You know, I played football with him in high school. Let's hear what he's got to say. You know, he's just like us in every way. So, but, um, and Jesus reads from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61. This is actually a very short reading, and it belongs to a longer section that is incredibly gracious and an encouraging chapter, uh, written about 700 years earlier, actually roughly around the period of Nehemiah, our Old Testament reading, when Judea had returned home from Babylonian captivity. And everything seems absolutely bleak and depressing. And in this section, Isaiah is given a vision of the Messiah a Messiah anointed by the Holy Spirit. Remember what happens to Jesus in his baptism. But a Messiah anointed by the Spirit of the Lord to proclaim good news to the poor, release to the captives, sight to the blind, freedom to the oppressed, the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus says, this is all fulfilled in your hearing. Or in other words, the Jacob Smith translation would say, I'm the guy. This is all about me. Now, let me tell you something. There are a lot of people today, and it's always been the case, but especially today, who would like to disconnect Jesus from the Old Testament. You know, there, a lot of it comes out of a lot of Holocaust guilt and a lot of fear and trying to be politically correct in that regard and want to disconnect Jesus from the Old Testament and that he's got nothing to do with it. And they'll label it called supersessionism, and there is a part of that that is, that is wrong. But Jesus, and the point here is that Jesus, he gives us right here a hermeneutic of how to read the Old Testament. And as he says later on on the road to Emmaus in Luke's gospel, he says, all of the law, the prophets, and the Psalms point to me. 
When you read the Old Testament as a Christian, it's not about life lessons, it's about Jesus. Seeing Christ concealed and now in the Gospels fully revealed. And this is my first point, and it's a very, very important one. In Jesus, this one-point sermon, he states that he is the fulfillment right here of the Jewish scriptures. He's making the point that it all points to him. And in the fulfillment of the Jewish scriptures, Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. He is the son of David, the one whom God sent full of the Spirit to bring freedom and life to all of us. In Jesus is God's revelation of salvation to the whole world. This is what he means when he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He's making a very profound truth claim that he is God. Now, I think the reason Jesus had a one-point sermon is because in his sermon, he is Isaiah's final point. He's Isaiah's concluding point. Isaiah 61, there are a number of points in this sermon. But as Jesus reads, uh, the prophet makes a number of points about the description of the Messiah and his ministry, and consequently now the ministry of the church. Because as St. Paul makes the point in our letter from the Corinthians, we are now the body of Christ here on earth. But unfortunately, when we read this passage, uh, the church and we all can misunderstand the prophet's point in one of two ways. Uh, The first, which is probably the most common, is that we limit these conditions that the prophet describes to simply social and physical states of people out there. You know what I mean? because none of us have problems. It's all about people out there. And then what happens as a result is you get a lot of salad sermons, you know? Uh, I call them salad sermons because they always end with let us. So it's always like, let us go out and help all those people out there. Let us go out and give sight to the blind to all those people out there. Let us go out and release all the captives out there. And then what happens is, is that consequently, the church's mission becomes shallow and condescending because no one, no one wants to be somebody else's project. You don't want to be somebody else's project. Nobody wants to be someone's project. What the prophet, and think about this, when the prophet first spoke these words, he spoke them not to people out there. Rather, he spoke them to the congregation of Israel. God's people. And indeed, coming back from Babylon, they were like migrant refugees for sure. And some of them were poor, some of them were blind, some of them were captives. Uh, They weren't their own country again. They were basically a viceroy regency of the empire of Babylon. They still belonged to King Cyrus. However, this was their situation, not because that's how the chips fell or it was just bad luck. This was their situation because they had been unfaithful to the covenant God had made with them. You see, what the prophet Isaiah is describing here first and foremost, is the spiritual condition of human existence brought on by human sin and our rebellion against God. 
To be poor in this context is not simply financial. It's spiritual poverty. To know and to have tasted how good God actually is and instead settled for the lesser idols of this world. To find ourselves captive to those idols, the captivity of wealth, relationships, jobs, notoriety, and then blind to the whole thing. This is why we say hindsight is twenty-twenty, or confess, gosh, I didn't see that coming. And then we're all oppressed. I mean, we're talking about this now, but nobody has an answer, like systems of oppression. The oppression that comes from a domineering relationship. The oppression that comes from a cold boss. The oppression that comes from addiction that you had no idea you fell into. We're all in this state in some form or another. These are real conditions for all of us. Here's the thing. For our mission as Christians to be real, we have to be real. And we have to recognize that this just isn't about people out there. It is first about us. And what I need is one from the outside. Like looking for the power within just isn't cutting it. What I need is Jesus Christ to deliver me because today, yes, even you and me, today this scripture has been fulfilled in our hearing. The second misunderstanding is to make the prophet's words so spiritual that the church is actually no earthly good. To sit back and think that we're following Jesus when we have no compassion and take no action on behalf of people who are materially poor, captured unjustly in a corrupt system or through addiction, oppressed, blind to the spiritual world around them, thinking this material world is all that's it. The world needs to hear and know through the body of Christ in word and example, that today this scripture has also been fulfilled in their hearing. And this is my second point. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, calls us as God's people, the body of Christ, the church once again to a ruthless moral inventory, to see our own need for continued deliverance and confess the grace that we have received in Jesus. And then inspired and transformed by that, by the power of the Spirit in humility and compassion, go out into the world to share this good news, the gospel, with both those enslaved in their pursuit for comfort and power and those crushed by the systems that it's created. And all of this is possible. How is this possible? All of this is possible ultimately because of what Jesus didn't say. What Jesus didn't read from Isaiah 61. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 61, 
Verses 1 and 2. The original verse in Isaiah states this, that the Messiah is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Notice, Jesus didn't read that last bit. The day of vengeance of our God. Now in homiletics, in preaching class, this is a huge preaching (laughs) no-no to cut the verses to fit your agenda. Uh, But for Jesus, this is okay (laughs) because he's God. And so, uh, and here's why he does it. I'm gonna tell you what the year of the Lord's favor is and what the day of vengeance is. The year of the Lord's favor was also known as the year of Jubilee. And in the law of Moses, this was to occur every seven years. All debts, crimes, grievances were permanently forgiven. Even slaves were to be freed at this moment and invited to join the covenant people of God. There's no evidence that Israel ever practiced this. But under the reign of the Messiah, the promise is the year of the Lord's favor was to be permanent. But the day of vengeance of our God is terrifying. This is judgment day. And the prophets, even John the Baptist, if you remember from a couple of weeks ago, they saw messianic and human history interconnected in the now of God. You and I experience it in this period called time, in the midst of the already and the not yet, a time of great grace, and a time, as St. Peter says, of immense patience. But Jesus, in that moment when he's reading from the scriptures, he knew what it meant to be the Messiah. Didn't catch him off guard. It wasn't some sort of discovery he made along the way, as you'll oftentimes hear it. No, he knew what it meant to be the Messiah. And in order to free us all from real oppression, not just from Roman or earthly powers, but in order to free humanity from real oppression, This is so much bigger than a self-improvement plan. We're talking about real oppression. As St. Paul describes them, powers and principalities of darkness, sin, death, and the devil. These spiritual conditions described by the prophet Isaiah. A day of vengeance is necessary because our God is just and he's holy And the gospel in our reading today is this. And take great comfort in this word. Jesus didn't proclaim the day of vengeance because he knew himself. He knew he himself would undergo it for the whole world on the cross. And you and I united in him and to him in baptism Now, we'll never know such a day. We may die, but death does not have the final say. And this is my third point. The good news of the gospel is found in what Jesus didn't say. The day of vengeance of our God would also be fulfilled in him. Today, the scriptures the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance 
is fulfilled in your hearing. And as a result, you stand justified before God as a Christian. And now you have the freedom to live this life to the praise and honor of God and in loving service of those, the poor, the captive, the blind, the oppressed, those whom God puts in your path. Let me conclude with a beautiful description of this and how it's inspired the mission of the church and how I hope it inspires the mission of this church. There's a priest by the name of Father Gregory Boyle. He's a Catholic priest who's the founder of an organization called Homeboy Ministries. And essentially, he is a missionary to gang members in south-central Los Angeles. And he is taking this good news of the year of the Lord's favor to some of the most unlovable and dangerous people on earth. And in his book, Tattoos on the Heart, he tells the story of a gang member named Willie who has come to faith. And they've been talking about Jesus. And uh, Father Boyle um, is taking Willie to get some food at the grocery store. And on the way, back from the grocery store, Father Boyle asks Willie, he says, how do you see God? And Willie responds, God, that's my dog right there. Or in other words, God is the one who always has my back. Then Father Boyle asks Willie, and God, Willie, how does God see you? This guy's covered in tattoos, former hardened gangster. And Gregory Boyle writes that Willie is silent in that moment for a few minutes. And he looks up to the heavens and his eyes begin to well with tear and his heart is filled with grace, the only grace that Jesus can give. And he said, God... God thinks I'm firme. Father Gregory describes what this is when he concludes, and I quote, to the homies, firme means could not be one bit better. Or as we would say in biblical language, justified. And not only does God think we're firme, it is God's joy to have us marinate in that truth. As we begin the post-COVID season of Calvary St. George's, as we begin our mission once again out into New York in a new chapter, I can't think of a better illustration of what the year of the Lord's favor is all about. To tell our friends and our neighbors also, today this scripture has been fulfilled in their hearing, that Jesus has taken upon the great vengeance for them as well. And now, it is God's actual great joy for all of them to know that God not only thinks, but has made them firme as well. He's justified them. O Zion haste, thy mission high fulfilling, to tell the world that God is light, that he who made all the nations is not willing. One soul should perish, lost in shades of night. Christian published glad tidings, tidings of peace. Not tidings of do more, but tidings of redemption and release. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.